Alright, welcome to the fourth episode. Can we call these episodes? I think we can call them episodes. The fourth episode, then, of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast. I am here, this is Cameron, and I'm here with Josh White. Hey, Josh. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, man, thanks for being here. Um, the topic of today is marijuana. Um, and you might be wondering, why are we going to do a leadership podcast training on marijuana so far we've been kind of sticking to more practical ministry stuff a a touch of theology Uh, but as you know if you live in portland um, our state now has has legalized the stuff for recreational use for the longest time the church's response uh, has been simple Uh, we're supposed to obey the laws of the land and marijuana weed's been illegal Um, so don't do it goes the old Christian adage. Um, but now that legality is no longer the issue, uh, I think it's time for us all to start thinking through this issue a little bit more deeply. Does the Bible have anything to offer um, us in terms of guidance when we think through, should Christians smoke pot is essentially the question. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about and hope it's helpful. And which I would interject, obviously, for us, we see marijuana as as a, a current conversation, but it really speaks into so many issues around a Christian's responsibility in regards to everything from alcohol to marijuana to any drug use, whether prescribed totally. or, or illegal. Yeah, that's a great point. The, the implications of what we're going to talk about are, are way more far-reaching than just marijuana. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't, why don't we... Uh, why don't we start here, Josh? Um, maybe if we both share a bit of our kind of personal histories with the stuff ourselves. I guess I can go first. Yeah. I have no personal history with it. I never did it. Haven't done it. Don't you're, intend to. You're so good. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just extremely holy when you get right down this to it. This is why I hired Cameron. <laughs> um, it's about filling in the gaps, right? <laughs> so how about yourself? Uh, well, I wish I had your history, uh, but sadly, uh, as many of you know, I've been a part of Door of Hope for any length of time, and uh, some of you don't know because this may be your first uh, introduction to Door of Hope, uh, I didn't become a believer until I was 28 years old, and so I unfortunately uh, got caught up in a pretty pervasive drug lifestyle uh, in high school, which actually deeply affected my education. Uh, I started off as almost a straight-A student and ended barely making it out of high school. So, uh, And it, much of it was connected to uh, my introduction into things like marijuana and LSD and, and other things that we always pray, now that I'm a parent, that our kids don't do. Hmm. Uh, but my 20s, uh, early 20s, being a musician in Seattle, uh, was I spent two years pretty much stoned every day. Um, and so I, I actually uh, quit using marijuana before I even uh, became a Christian because what a lot of people don't know is they're beginning to explore uh, recreational use, which is more prevalent now than I've ever seen, especially amongst kids. Uh, my mm. son probably has very few peers that don't smoke. Uh, and uh, what uh, I experienced and what a lot of people experience, which, which those who are advocates for marijuana, which they always promoting it as something that relaxes you, something that 
that's good for calmness, it actually produced the exact opposite effect, which was deep, deep anxiety. Mm. Uh, and the more I used it, the more anxious I became. And so I actually quit using uh, drugs uh, probably two years before I became a Christian uh, oh. for that very reason. So mm. so my it's funny because I, I had already had a negative uh, uh, experience with it that actually influenced uh, me before I had a moral conviction on it. Mm. So if that's helpful. That is helpful. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, certainly there's a lot of people who are advocating for marijuana in terms of just, oh, it's relaxing. It's a way to kind of unwind at the end of the day or stuff like that. I mean, we've got people whose perspective is that this stuff, you know, people like the guys like Timothy Leary and those guys in the 60s who were basically arguing that marijuana, LSD, other substances could actually be the key to human peace and flourishing. If we could just yeah. get everybody on this stuff, people it's the would... gateway to heaven. Yeah, people would people would chill out and finally love one another, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, for some people it's utterly harmless in their minds. For some it's, it's the devil's weed uh, and everything in between. I think when we come to any question, we have to ask ourselves, if, if we want to honor Christ in our lives, the first question has to be, what does God think about it? Has he given us in, in, his, in his word the tools to put together a, a distinctly Christian way of thinking about <clears throat> excuse me, this stuff? So that's what we want to do. Uh, we don't want to base this on what's easy, what's trendy, or even, even experiences, good or bad. We want to try to go to the scriptures and see if we can find some guidance. So um, probably the first thing to say along those lines is marijuana is nowhere found in the Bible as far as we know. Um, there's there's no Greek or Hebrew word for it or anything that's directly paralleled to it. Uh, so a lot of people right there will just go, great, so freedom, whatever I can do whatever I want. It doesn't, there's no explicit verse about it. Um, and I, I, I think that's jumping to conclusions a little quickly. Um, probably the best place to start if we want to get a, a theology just around marijuana and other substances like it is probably alcohol. Yeah. Um, there's of course tons of discussion in the Bible about alcohol. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty nuanced the way the Bible describes it. Wine's described as a gift from God. Sometimes it's viewed as this celebratory aid. You think of Jesus uh, turning water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana. Um, uh, alcohol is used for medicinal purposes in the scriptures. Uh, but but the Bible is very clear and, and has a strict prohibition against the the abuse of alcohol. The, that point when uh, it, it turns to intoxication or certainly addiction. Um, and so maybe we should just talk about that for a second. What what's behind the Bible's um, kind of caution and, and warning and, and command against getting drunk? Uh, just to put it simply. Yeah, I think that um, it's important to know that the scripture uh, has uh, as many positive uh, statements that it might have around wine as a part of the feast and a part of coming together. It, it definitely has its fair share of warnings mm -hmm. against drunkenness. Uh, and I think that when we begin to think about uh, just the whole issue of of intoxication, which really is even what we're talking about when we talk about marijuana, it's maybe not the same word used, but that concept of being high, or basically something losing control of one's ability to think clearly. Mm. Um, and so I, I agree with you, though marijuana is not directly uh, 
talked about in scripture uh, as Gary Brashears at Western um, said to me once in dealing with issues where the scripture is silent is it requires it requires spirit-filled wisdom. Yeah. Uh, and we look for the principles in scripture that communicate to us uh, areas that help us understand. The, the scripture is very robust in its ability to address more than we even uh, realize when we truly take the time uh, mm-hmm. to adhere to it. But it, I think that uh, the call to um, sobriety in scripture, the, the call to be clear-minded uh, is, is directly communicated. What we're called as Christians uh, specifically is to be spirit-filled. In fact, the contrast that Paul uses uh, in Ephesians is that very idea, that very reality. He says, yeah. do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, uh, but be filled with the Spirit. And I think that the, the, the question always comes down to uh, what, uh, what has control of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Christians, the essence of the Christian life in regards to sobriety, Jesus doesn't place rules, his, the ethics of his kingdom over us uh, to restrain us and prevent joy. Every, every regulation that we find uh, in regards to Christian living is for the purpose of liberation. Uh, and I think that we, don't, we often come to the scriptures with the skepticism that it's about taking away our rights um, or taking away um, our ability to enjoy things that, that others are enjoying. And so yeah. I, I agree that we have to go to the scriptures to find our answers, but I also can say that when we are honest and we look truly at, at um, at the evidence and the of the experiences of those um, mm. who are wrapped up in in heavy drug use, I think one of the things that I always point to, even culturally, is how has marijuana um, been stereotyped in culture? Do, can we gather can we gather data from stereotypes? And the answer is <laughs> yes, usually. Uh, and I think of movies like uh, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High or. Uh, um, what was the one with Matthew McConaughey, uh, the the high school movie that was so so huge? Um, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, it was his, one of his first movies. He plays like the cool kid. Oh, oh, Days and Confused. Days and Confused. But the presentation of these characters that are marijuana smokers, and I know because I was a stoner, is just that it dulls the senses, it dulls the ability um, to it. It makes you feel deep when you're actually often talking nonsense. <laughs> so, um, and, the, and I mean, I think back to my childhood of my, my dad's love of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> and so, I mean, the, the presentation even culturally has never been that, that marijuana is something that makes one sharp. Mm. Uh, and what scripture calls us to as Christians is that because we're called to be Christ-centered and other-oriented, uh, I would say that most drugs push us into ourselves, yeah. uh, create incredibly in, uh, introspective uh, uh, ways of thinking where the scripture is calling us to be alert and yeah. ready and sober-minded and to be transformed by the renewing of the mind and to take every thought captive into the obedience yeah. of Jesus. And so I think when I look at alcohol and marijuana and the call to sobriety and the rejection of intoxication, when I look at those those two categories that you so... Uh, established so well and by the way I just want to say Cameron um, because I, you're not one to 
promote yourself. I think that the position paper that you actually wrote for the church on marijuana is so articulate and so mm-hmm. clear. It's one of my favorite things that you've written for us as a, oh, as a church. Um, and encourage anyone listening to this to read that for scriptural references. But Yeah, we'll have the link up with this on the yeah. On the so. But that I think that those are the things that we can't we can't avoid. We're called to be under the influence of the Spirit, and the Spirit sets us free. Jesus yeah. says, "The Son of Man comes to set you free." And much of this, uh, when we, I mean, anyone who's ever been drunk knows that the the fun you had, especially if you were really drunk, what's one of the things that often your memory is blurry. <laughs> yeah. You often said things that you ought not to have said. Uh, it, it eradicates filters. Uh, it gives you a false sense of confidence, which actually leads often to confrontation and often leads to unfortunate situations being put in, put in um, uh, difficult positions because those filters have been re- removed. Yeah. Marijuana is different than alcohol and it affects the senses different, but it removes filters nonetheless. And yeah. I think scripture is absolutely opposed uh, to anything that would rob us of our ability to think clearly. Yeah, so that's really well said. Yeah, it's like the, the idea is especially when, when the New Testament talks about sobriety, the, the emphasis, I was surprised when I was looking at it, the emphasis is almost always on uh, the fact that time is short and we're awaiting the Lord's return and there's work to do, there's, there's people to love, service to do, uh, community to take care of. Um, and the biblical authors constantly put intoxication at odds with that, that, that this is something that's going to hinder your ability to actually love God and love people the way you're designed to. Um, so that's that's point number one. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would just add too. I mean, when we think about drunkenness, it's like even, even I mean, the challenges of drinking, which has become really, really prevalent within yeah. the, within the church, it's become acceptable behavior yeah. within the church. Where I would say even even 15 years ago, uh, it was for sure frowned upon in regards to church leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously alcoholism within our country is a major issue. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, the church has often taken a hardline stance that, uh, that it's just best to not even mess with it because it yeah. can stumble people. But I, I think that we're, we, um, we believe that we're called to allow the spirit to convict us and uh, it's dangerous to create regulations upon people, um, for the purpose of, um, uh, uh, trying to create some sort of moral code that goes beyond what scripture says. Yes. Uh, what the scripture leads us in an area that we often get uncomfortable with is, is the, that liberty to use discretion to actually allow the spirit to lead us. And I would say that for some of us, we can even say that even though you may not have gotten drunk, a couple drinks at night affects how you feel in the morning. Yeah. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that like I have personally become hyper as a, as a pastor of the church, um, I have become much more sensitive to my own uh, enjoyment of a glass of wine with my wife where I've really limited and I also have a history of alcoholism in my family. So yeah. I, from my personality, I have to actually be uh, use even more discretion uh, than maybe someone that has that just has no struggle with it. I also am vain in trying to maintain my waistline. <laughs> and alcohol is not your friend. Well, you know what? That leads me directly, almost too directly into our next point, which is the concept, kind of another parameter around this conversation, the concept of the, the body is the temple of God. Yeah. Um, uh, so 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, I'll just read it. Um, Paul's talking about sex here primarily when he's talking about the body but I I think the principle remains 
He says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. Um, what's the connection of this idea to the marijuana discussion? Well, I think you just you just read the verse that speaks it so clearly is that we forget that Jesus, uh, we believe, uh, according to the scriptures, that it is God alone who saves, uh, that Jesus is both the author and the finisher of our faith, that he even initiates the draw, uh, the pull um, of the human heart. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. So you see this strange, this strange statement. It almost seems like God does everything and, and we do nothing. Um, but that's not really, the scripture is much more nuanced than that because how is Jesus lifted up? Uh, he's lifted up by the conduits uh, and the conduits are human vessels. Uh, you and I are the very means by which Christ draws people to himself. Uh, how shall they, how sh shall they respond to the gospel if there is no preacher? Uh, is the declaration of, the, and that doesn't just mean the professional that works at the church, but the entire church is called to be specifically a witness to the reality of Christ. Mm. Uh, and so the beauty um, of this, this idea of the temple, in, in the Old Testament, we see the temple as literally a building that represented God's presence amongst his chosen people. Um, but the New Testament, there is a shift in theology uh, that declares through the work of Jesus that that we as human beings literally become the temple of the living God, that Christ comes. I mean, you think about the childhood, what we're told as children when we were told about the gospel, if you invite Jesus into your heart, into your heart he yeah. will come and make his home within you. Mm -hmm. That's not bad theology. That's no. really good theology <laughs> explained very simply, that we are told that the Holy Spirit is given to us, that Jesus said, when it is good that I go back to the Father, because if I go back to the Father, I will send to you another helper, the Spirit of Truth. And that Spirit of Truth, uh, and that's why Paul uses the contrast between the influence of alcohol versus the influence of the Spirit, is that these are both things that come into our into our bodies, literally, and have control of our behavior, uh, where one uh, uh, removes uh, the the things that allow us to treat people. Uh, with respect and dignity, make us good listeners, give us insight, uh, but dulls the senses and removes the filters and loosens the tongue in ways that is not good. The spirit can also loosen the tongue uh, and the, mm -hmm. the spirit can also give us uh, a new insight and even maybe remove the filter of fear. Uh, yeah. but, it, but it does it in a way that, that actually brings clarity uh, rather than confusion and brings life uh, rather than destruction. And so when we think of ourselves as the temple of God, I think that that, that concept is literally what it means, that we, um, God's ability uh, to manifest his glory in his temple um, is dependent upon our yieldedness hmm. uh, to his leading and his guidance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly right. And then, and then just the, even the simpler concept as well of, if this, if this body of, of ours, if each of our bodies are a temple, uh, that, that temple deserves to be treated with respect. Yeah. And so whatever we do to harm it, um, we're, we're harming the very house of God in a, in a serious way. And so that, that's something that would push us to look at things like medical research on marijuana. It, what's its effect on the body? And honestly, as I looked into this, the medical research is all really in its infancy. But even now, there was, and there's a link in the handout, but um, 
The National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine created this community to comprehensively review all the current studies on marijuana's effects. And e even early as it is, they've, they've said that there's strong evidence that it, of course, impairs cognitive function. It increases the risk of developing mental illnesses like schizophrenia. Uh, it's correlated with increased suicidal ideation and, and some other things. And you can read that for yourself. Um, but yeah, the, the scientific evidence, not just the cultural or anecdotal, but the, the literature is saying this stuff has some real harms. It does some real that, harm to uh, us. The article that was just, uh, I just read a couple weeks ago is that they are starting to get some pretty hard evidence too on the, uh, on the incredible risk it brings to minors, which is still illegal. So yeah. uh, one of the big issues that we're seeing right now, I mean, 18 dispensaries in Oregon, most of them in Portland um, were caught selling to minors, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually illegal. Uh, we do need to keep in mind that there is a tension right now too between state and federal. In yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, it's still illegal federally. Yeah, which is, a, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, that's a one of the unique uh, paradoxes of American government. But I think that um, when we look at the, the article was that was released was that children that have not reached their full maturity. Uh, its impact on the mind can have long-term effects. And I, and I think that there is hard evidence, and, and I think that was one of my experiences um, uh, subjectively, uh, was uh, the deterioration of uh, kind of my uh, psychological disposition, uh, increased anxiety, um, in, in, uh, in an increased inability to get things done. Uh, it, it fed into uh, mental unwellness. Mm. Um, I hope that doesn't rob you guys of your confidence. It's been a long time. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, I mean we all we all kind of knew that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be crazy to start a church in Portland, anyway. <laughs> so we'll move on to a third point. We'll do this one more quickly because it's it's kind of fringy, and I'm not entirely sure how much it bears on this conversation. But I think it's worth mentioning. We'll let you, as the listeners, decide for yourself. But there's this other, and I'm just going to say the word, sorcery. There's this biblical concept of sorcery that we read, and we're kind of like, what in the world are they talking about? And there are a few biblical wor words in the original languages that relate to this, but the main ones are this Hebrew word, kesef, and the Greek pharmakeia. Um, and, and the meaning, the root meaning behind kesef is probably to cut, associated with like cutting herbs for spells, literal spells. And then pharmakeia is, has a connection with potions and drugs. And so, you know, scholars aren't extremely confident about what the biblical authors were talking about, um, at least when it relates to drug use with these words. Uh, but it probably refers to the pagan use of drugs, potions, poisons to facilitate spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that's alive and well in Portland, yeah. people delving into drugs to sort of have these transcendent spiritual experiences. Um, so in the Bible, of course, uh, le legitimate spiritual experience, it, it's tied to covenant relationship with the one true God. It's tied to Jesus himself specifically. Um, and it's, and sorcery is, <laughs> I, I, I just love yeah. using that word. Yeah. Sorcery is always and strongly condemned throughout the history of the biblical story. Um, including the future, Revelation 21.8, talking, talking about it. Um, 
marijuana, it's probably just worth noting along those lines that marijuana in particular has been used in like pagan spiritual practices for three millennia. Yeah. Um, so some, some believers will begin to suspect a link between uh, recreational drug use even yeah. and the possibility that you're, you're opening yourself up to spiritual realities, demonic spiritual stuff. And, and I would just say uh, subjectively that was absolutely true for me. One of the reasons I smoked marijuana was for its, its long history of spiritual use. I mean, the, uh, if you read Aldous Huxley's Doors of Perception, though he was, he was humanistic and deistic, uh, he he believed, as many did at the time, with with Timothy Leary, that this is the means to actually the evolution of the human mind um, through spiritual experiences by opening our heart. I mean, that's what it, it, doors of perception is. The whole the whole concept of the book is that drugs are used as a gateway to experience otherworldly realities. Yeah. Uh, and there is no doubt in my mind. I actually feel more convinced, though I agree and recognize with Cameron that the scriptures aren't explicit in this area. Um, I would say that that there would be many outside of Christianity that would argue that marijuana is absolutely um, a gateway to spiritual experience, especially in a city like Portland where the New Age has always been so strong. Yeah. Marijuana has always been a, a really strong mark of the, of Portland, Oregon, uh, just even even when it, in its years of being illegal and often utilized uh, within pagan and spiritual practices. Yeah. William S. Burroughs' his whole introduction to Naked Lunch and heroin addiction was written about the um that the reason that marijuana and uh, hallucinogens were better than heroin is because they actually were used for religious purposes where heroin was ne has never been historically used. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that even within, within uh, counterculture and those that would be actually a, a entirely opposed to Christianity would argue that this is a spiritual thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, in terms of just kind of the biblical parameters, do you have do you have any other categories you want to throw into the mix here? You'd mentioned that thing you listened to with MacArthur and those guys. What what was their big point? Yeah, I was listening to a panel of very conservative uh, evangelicals, reformed evangelicals, around whether or not uh, one should smoke marijuana, and and they were all you know very firm no. But I actually thought John MacArthur um, gave the best scriptural um, argument and it and it comes from the Apostle Paul when he was talking about his freedom in Christ uh, to be all things to all men to, to that he had he had liberty to to live freely but he also he goes on to say but I will be controlled by nothing mm. um, and and uh, MacArthur's point was that uh, that's the antithesis of what it means to be stoned um, you you are under its control. It's the antithesis of being drunk. You have become under. So I think uh, I actually like the word control. Almost, it's almost more helpful than stoned or yeah. intoxicated. Yeah. Um, because what the scripture is clear is that the spirit is the one who should be in control. Um, I mean, we think the essence of sin, even uh, for us as human beings, is when we take control of our own lives. Uh, so you add this. This compounds that reality of being the opposite of one of the fruit of the spirit is being self-controlled. Uh, the antithesis of self-control is out of control. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, that for those uh, of you who are listening, who are smoking weed, 
um, and maybe not even feeling compelled by this argument are these arguments, even though I think that we have laid out strong biblical arguments for having sober, being sober-minded. I would just ask you that question, kind of pastorally, um, and really plead with you: Do you really feel more under control, um, and do you feel you are under control of the spirit, or do you feel you're under control of the drug? Um, and that is important to remember that marijuana is, at the end of the day, a drug. Um, and alcohol is a drug. And when we give up control to those things, it's a problem. Yeah. So wrapping all this together, that, as far as I can tell, those are kind of the major fence posts in this conversation about how Christians should understand marijuana. In conclusion, what I would say is, and tell me if you agree or disagree, in light of all this, I think we should say no to recreational marijuana. Um, I'd say getting getting high, getting stoned would be sinful, contrary to the commands to maintain sober-mindedness, um, to glorify God in the body, uh, which is the dwelling place of God's Spirit in us. Um, so whatever the substance is in question, we can insert alcohol. And, and I think this is actually an important point to bring up. I'll, I'll sidebar here. There one of the main differences between alcohol and marijuana just as substances is potency. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's of course we've all been assuming in this conversation, it's possible to, you know, have a little bit of alcohol, enjoy its culinary aspects, um, have a glass or two of wine, whatever it may be. um, and, And you're not getting into this territory with weed. It's, pretty that's pretty much no one's doing that <laughs> and, yeah. and and the potencies of this stuff it's you're doing it to get high they don't have a term <laughs> they don't even have an in-between term like buzzed yeah no no <laughs> like there aren't warning signs <laughs> yeah so and so and but, but, and the potency of the stuff that's now being regulated um I, i've heard from people that are smoking that are outside of the church because I'm, I'm curious and i'll ask when i find out yeah is it different than what was available went back when i was smoking pot and they said it's it's absolutely different and much, much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should just, we need to mention that. Uh, that's kind of one of the big difference makers here. But the end result is anything that's that's taking your, your ability to be controlled, self-control or controlled by the spirit, um, by these any substance is something we ought to reject as believers if we, if we want to be serious about following Jesus in these areas of our lives. Um, agreed? Agreed. <laughs> so two more questions. I think there are two things hanging on. Well, well maybe three. We're not going to answer the first one. Number one would be, so what about like the legal questions? What, what perspective should a Christian take on the legalization or how police ought to relate to the drug community? There's no time to get into that. I think, I think you, you, you could make a, a diversity of opinions fairly, fairly strongly from the scriptures uh, I'd be interested to talk to anybody about that if you want to, but we're going to just sidestep that. What yeah. what should the law's relationship to, to drugs like marijuana be? Um, but let's talk about two things real quick. First of all, what about the medical use of marijuana? Right. That's that's a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've kind of dealt with recreational. What about medical? Right. I think that there's there the bottom line is. Um, I think that that becomes actually most people that are asking, wouldn't you agree, Cameron, even within our own community about this issue and is, is not coming from those who are applying for medical use. <laughs> no. uh, and so uh, 
that that becomes um, really often a smokescreen for those who just want to use it recreationally, and uh, and I think within the within the medical use, I I, I like what what you wrote is that it's a nuanced answer, and uh, that that we have to actually uh, recognize that there is an attempt to to utilize it in a way that would be beneficial. And there are very well um, maybe benefits, and I know that there are some that are already proven in regards to salves and uh, different things for pain mm-hmm. uh, related. Um, the, but the questions of, uh, and the thing is, is that they're making strains that don't, that will not get you high. And I think that uh, that if you are if you are thinking you need it for medical purposes, I still would be really uh, asking doctor what can I do if I if this is an area I want to try what about those areas and I think that the the non high is the ones where THC is not a part of the plant and it's I think it's called CBD yeah and those are those are areas where it still can help with appetite stuff which is a, a lot of reasons that it's used within medical for people that have had AIDS or um, cancer uh, but a lot of this stuff is still it's just so early yeah. Uh, and and I agree with what you said. Like the it, it, the bot, one of the bottom lines within the American culture is that we're an over medicated society. Anyway, yeah. I mean this leads into all sorts of questions that we could get into around even uh, the appropriateness of of uh, of how far we go with even self medicating or or even using drugs as a means of of. Uh, performance enhancement um, that doctors prescribe so there's just too much to truly get into but I would just say my my thing with medical marijuana is like we uh, we feel I think I could speak for both of us that we feel the the most important thing is to address the recreational element and we recognize that there are meant there's that the medical side is very nuanced and we just would say be uh, that that should be um, explored with caution and I would explore every other possibility before I got into utilizing marijuana personally yeah that's what I would that's what I would suggest yeah and you know that leads us into the, the third question which is uh, what about other substances that have been normalized or legalized um, and I, th- I think we have to remember that um, our, our medical community uh, puts puts some pretty wild stuff in people's hands yeah <laughs> and, and, and you know legitimately so to speak and that's still dangerous yeah. and and just because you're given a prescription for something doesn't mean you should use that whole prescription doesn't always mean that's um, the best thing that could have been prescribed for you I mean if you take much time and even look into the pharmaceutical industry and its lobbying and the way they can essentially bribe doctors to get prescriptions. I mean, this. The, hopefully ever, all of us have doctors in our lives that are, operate with integrity and aren't motivated by a cruise ship, you yeah, know, to yeah. get, get you on opioids or something. Yeah. But this kind of stuff is happening. And so I think, I think you know, I'm, I'm okay with opioids and, you know, in uh, cases of extreme pain that needs to be mitigate, mitigated for short periods of time. I think my, my just personal hunch is like the Lord's probably given us this technology to develop this stuff um, for that purpose. It's a good thing. But we are in the middle of an opioid crisis right now as a country. Yeah. Clearly, it's being abused. It's both both in terms of what the doctors are prescribing and how people are using it. It's leading into worse and worse um, 
addictions and, and overdoses and overdoses and yeah. death. Yeah. And so I hope, yeah, we're just trying to get to the, get to the, the reality that these questions of the me- medical use are, are not simple. Um, so yes, I think there's and, and legitimate medical use. I think there's great caution to be exercised I, as well. And just, uh, I, I can say from experience of, uh, even going through, uh, seasons where a doctor prescribes something that you may legitimately need always keeping in mind that when medication is utilized to stabilize one's life, uh, you know, whether it's ADD medication or whatever it may be, you always have to con- constantly bring that before the Lord of, of, of it's, is the use, is it being truly used for what it was prescribed for? Um, and I think that that's one of the great issues that our society is facing right now is that what it was prescribed for ends up not being what it's used for. Yeah. yeah. And so once again, it's it a becomes, great point. It becomes a, what, what, uh, what has control of your life and, uh, and our prayer is that you would be spirit filled. Yeah. Man, I don't think you meant to, but I think you just gave us the perfect closing line. I might, I might have. Oh, then good job. You nailed it. <laughs> I wasn't going to end with get high on Jesus, <laughs> which I've heard before, and I've, I've never said slow I've heard it. Me. I've heard it before, too. <laughs> heard it before, too. <laughs> well, I think, I think that covers it. Um, we know this is a, a complex conversation. We know that there's going to be more medical research, probably more biblical thinking about this. Uh, but hopefully this is a good starting place for all of us to be thinking through and how can we glorify Christ with the decisions we make in terms of what we're putting in our bodies that's that's the end that's that's what it comes down to hope it was helpful Josh thanks for your wisdom thanks for being here yeah it's great to be here thanks Kim thanks for doing this of course Uh, we will do it again see you next time